Chapter Nine, Part One of More Love to Thee, The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. More Love to Thee, The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice by George Prentice. Chapter Nine, Part One Stepping Heavenward, 1869 death of mrs stearns her character dangerous illness of professor smith death at the parsonage letters a visit to vassar college letters getting ready for general assembly gates ajar a little past three o'clock on saturday afternoon january second eighteen sixty nine anna c prentice wife of the reverend john f stearns d d fell asleep in jesus the preceding pages show what strong ties bound Mrs. Prentice to this beloved sister. Their friendship dated back thirty years. It was cemented by common joys and common sorrows in some of their deepest experiences of life, and had been kept fresh and sweet by frequent intercourse and correspondence. Mrs. Stearns was a woman of uncommon attractions and energy of character. She impressed herself strongly upon all who came within the sphere of her influence the hearts of her husband's people as well as her own and those of her children trusted in her and the whole community where she dwelt mourned her loss she had been especially endeared to her brother sergeant with whom she spent several winters in the south prior to her marriage her influence over him at a critical period of his life was alike potent and happy their relation to each other was in truth full of the elements of romance and some of his letters to her are exquisite effusions of fraternal confidence and affection her letters to him beginning when she was a young girl and ending only with his life would form a large volume you excel any one i know he wrote to her in the kind and gentle art of letter writing in the midst of his early professional triumphs he writes you do not know what obligations i am under to you i owe all my success in this country to the fact of having so kind a mother and such sweet affectionate sisters as abby and yourself it has been my only motive to exertion without it i should long since have thrown myself away even now when as is frequently the case i feel perfectly reckless both of life and fortune and look with contempt upon them both the recollection that there are two or three hearts that beat for me with real affection even though far away, comes over me as the music of David did over the dark spirit of Saul. I still feel that I have something worth living for. For years her letters helped to cherish and deepen this feeling. He thus refers to one of them. I cannot tell how much I thank you for it. I cried like a child while reading it, and even now the tears stand in my eyes as I think of its expressions of affection, sympathy, and good sense. I wish you were here now. Oh, how I do wish it. But you will come next fall, won't you? And be to me the antelope whose feet shall bless with her light step my loneliness. But my candle burns low, and it is past the witching hour of night, whether sleeping or waking. God bless you and our dear mother and all of you. Good night. My love loads this last line. To Mrs. Prentice and her husband, the death of Mrs. Stearns was an irreparable loss. It took out of their life one of its greatest earthly blessings. 
the new year opened with another painful shock the sudden and dangerous illness of her husband's bosom friend henry boynton smith professor smith was to have made one of the addresses at the funeral of mrs stearns but instead of doing so he was obliged to take to his bed and soon afterwards to flee for his life beyond the sea to this affliction the reader is indebted for the letters to mrs smith contained in this chapter on the sixteenth of february another niece of her husband a sweet child of seventeen was brought to the parsonage very ill and died there before the close of the month her letters will show how she was affected by these troubles to mrs leonard new york january ninth eighteen sixty nine so many unanswered letters lie piled on my desk that i hardly know which to take up first but my heart yearns over you and i cannot help writing you no wonder you grow sadder as time passes and the beloved one comes not i wish i could help you bear your burden but all i can do is to be sorry for you the peaceable fruits of sorrow do not ripen at once there is a long time of weariness and heaviness while this process is going on but i do not will not doubt that you will taste these fruits and find them very sweet one of the hard things about bereavement is the physical prostration and listlessness which makes it next to impossible to pray and quite impossible to feel the least interest in anything we must bear this as a part of the pain believing that it will not last forever for nothing but god's goodness does how i wish you were near us and that we could meet and talk and pray together over all that has saddened our lives and made heaven such a blessed reality there is not much to tell about the last hours of our dear sister she had rallied a good deal and they all thought she was getting well but the day after christmas typhoid symptoms began to set in i saw her on the monday following found her greatly depressed and did not stay long on saturday morning we got a dispatch we should have received early on new year's day saying she was sinking we hurried out found her flushed and bright but near her end having no pulse at either wrist and her hands and feet cold she had had a distressing day and night but now seemed perfectly easy knew us gave us a glad welcome reminded me that i had promised to go with her to the end and kissed us heartily every time we went near her she gave us such a glad smile that it was hard to believe she was going so soon she talked incessantly with no signs of debility but it was the restlessness of approaching death at three in the afternoon they all came into the room as they always did at that hour she said a few things and evidently began to lose her sight for as lewis was about to leave the room she said good night l and then to me why lizzie dear you are not going to stay all night oh yes don't you know i promised to stay with a it will be so lonely she looked pleased but greatly surprised her mind being so weak and in a few seconds she laid her restless hands on her breast her eyes became fixed and the last gentle breaths began to come and go is the doctor here she asked we told her no and then mrs s and the nurse who were who were close each side of her began to repeat a verse or two of scripture then seeing she was apparently too far gone to hear mr s leaned over and whispered my darling she made no response on which he said she can make no response and she said but i hear gave one or two more gentle little breaths and was gone 
i forgot to say that after her eyes were fixed hearing mr s groan she stopped dying turned and gave a parting look i never saw an easier death nor such a bright face up to the very last one of the doctors coming in in the morning was apparently overcome by the extraordinary smile she gave him for he turned away immediately without a word and left the house i stayed as they wished me to do till monday night when i came home quite used up your sorrow and the sorrow at brooklyn and now this one have come one after another until it seemed as if there was no end to it such is life and we must bear it patiently knowing the end will be the more joyful for all that saddened the way i shall always let you know if anything of special interest occurs in the church or among ourselves after loving you so many years i am not likely to forget you now the addresses at mrs s s funeral will probably be published and we will send you a copy mr p is bearing up bravely but feels the listlessness of which i spoke and finds sermonizing hard work he joins me in love to you do write often to miss eliza a warner new york february sixteenth eighteen sixty nine on coming home from church on sunday afternoon i found one of the brooklyn family waiting to tell us that another of the girls was very ill that they were all worn out and nearly frantic and asking if she might be brought here to be put under the care of some german doctor as dr smith had given her up in the midst of my sorrow for the poor mother i thought of myself how could i who had not been allowed to invite miss lyman here undertake this terrible care you know what a fearful disease it is how many convulsions they have but you don't know the harm it did me just seeing poor jenny p in one yesterday i tried hard to let god manage it but i know i wished he would manage it so as to spare me it takes so little to pull me down and so little to destroy my health but i wasn't in a good frame couldn't write a percy for the observer got a letter from some house downtown asking me to write them susie books got a london daily news containing a nice notice of little lou but naught consoled me in fact i dawdled so long over h's lessons which i always hear after breakfast that i had not my usual time to pray and that of itself would spoil any day after dinner came two of the prentice sisters to say that dr horatio smith said ava's one chance of getting well was to come here for change of air and scene would i take her and her mother of course i would they then told me that dr smith had said his brother's case was perfectly hopeless this upset me my feet turned into ice and my head into a ball of fire as soon as they left i had the spare room arranged and then went out and walked till dark to cool off my head but to so little purpose that i had a bad night the news about professor smith was so dreadful mr prentice was appalled too i had to make this a day of rest not daring to work after such a night got up at seven or so took my bath rung the bell for prayers at twenty minutes of eight after breakfast heard h's lessons then read the twentieth chapter of matthew amused long on christ's coming to minister not to be ministered unto prayed for poor mrs smith and a good many weary souls and felt a little bit better then went down to randolph's at the request of a lady who wanted him to sell some books she had got up for a benevolent object he said he'd take twelve 
than to the smiths burdened with my sad secret got home tired and depressed tried to get to sleep and couldn't tried to read and couldn't at last they came with the sick girl and one look at the poor half-fainting child and her mother's nobody in the world but you would have let us come made them welcome and i have rejoiced ever since that god let them come one of the first things they said took my worst burden off my back the whole story about professor smith was a dream can you conceive my relief we had dinner eva ate more than she had done for a long time we had a long talk with her mother after dinner then i went up to the sick room and stayed an hour or so then had a call then ran out to carry a book to a widowed lady that i hoped would comfort her then home and with eva till tea time then had some comfort in laying all these cares and interests in those loving arms that are always so ready to take them in i enjoy praying in the morning best however perhaps because less tired but sometimes i think it is owing to a sort of night preparation for it i mean in the wakeful times of night and early morning wednesday the seventeenth while i was writing the above all the brooklyn prentices went to bed and we new york prentices went to the sunday school rooms next door to a church gathering there are three rooms that can be thrown together and they were bright and fragrant with flowers most of which the young men sent me afterwards exquisite things i had a precious talk with dr abbott one of whose feet to say the least is already on the topmost round i only wish he was a woman the church was open and we all went in and listened to some fine music coming out i said to a gentleman who approached me how is little baby which little baby why the youngest oh we haven't any baby and lo i had mistaken my man imagine how he felt and how i felt we got home at eleven p m and so ended my day of rest i have five hundred and forty things to say but there is so much going on that i shall defraud you of them aren't you glad have you read the gates ajar i have with real pain i do not think you will be so shocked at it as i am but hope you don't like it it is full of talent but has next to no christ in it and my heaven is full of him i have finished favour how queer he is with his threes and fives and six and sevens i feel all done up into little sums in addition and that's about all i know of myself he's bewildered me so there are fine things in it and i took the liberty of making a wee cross against some of them which you can rub out miss l sent me another of his books which i am reading now all for jesus to mrs henry b smith new york march twenty second eighteen sixty nine we were gladdened early this morning by the arrival of your letter and the good news it contained i had a dreadful fright on the day you reached southampton mr moore sent up a cable dispatch announcing the fact and as it came directed to both of us and i supposed it to be from you i thought some terrible thing had happened i paraded down to m with your letter and she at the same time paraded up here with the one to her and the rest so we got all the news there was and longed for more i hope the worst is now over i have just got home from a visit of four days and nights to miss lyman i enjoyed it exceedingly and wish i could tell you all about it but can't in a letter she has turns of looking absolutely aged and seems a good deal of the time in a perfect worry i don't know what about 
otherwise she is better than last summer i never saw her when at work before and perhaps she always appears so we had two or three good rousing laughs however and that did us both good i did not know she was so fond of flowers she buys them and keeps loads of them about her parlors library and bedroom what a world it is there i only wish she was happier in her work but perhaps if we could get behind the scenes we should find all human workers have their sorrows and misgivings and faintings according to her i have had an inquiry meeting once or twice believe it if you can and dare it was certainly very pleasant to get into such an intelligent christian atmosphere and on the whole i've got rather converted to vassar i've been greatly delighted with a present of one of my father's cuff buttons which i well remember and a lock of his hair i haven't got anything more to say oh mrs blank left that on her card here the other day and we called on her this afternoon what a jolly old lady she is of course anybody could believe in perfection who was as fat and well as she to mrs leonard new york april fifth eighteen sixty nine if i should send you a letter every time i send you a thought you would be quite overwhelmed with them now that mrs s has gone away and some of my pressing cares are over i miss you more than ever we have had a good deal to sadden us this winter beginning with your sorrow which was also ours and ava p s death occurring as it did in our house was a distressing one she was here about a fortnight and the first week came down to her meals though she kept in her room the rest of the time on tuesday night of the second week she was at the tea-table and played a duet with a after tea soon after she was taken with distress for breath and was never in bed again but sat nearly double in a chair with one of us supporting her head it was agonizing suffering to witness and the care of her was more laborious than anyone could conceive who did not witness or participate in it we had at last to have six on hand to relieve each other she died on saturday after four terrible days and nights we knew she would die here when they first proposed her coming but did not like to refuse her last desire and are very glad we had the privilege of ministering to her last wants for you i desire but one thing a full possession of christ let us turn away our eyes from everything that does not directly exalt him in our affections we are poor without him no matter what our worldly advantages are rich with him when stripped of all besides still i know you are passing through deep waters and at time must well-nigh sink but your loving saviour will not let you sink and he never loved you so well as he does now how often i long to fly to you in your lonely hours but i cannot and so i turn these longings into prayers i hope you pray for me too you could not give me anything i should value so much and it is a great comfort to me to know that you love me i care more to be loved than to be admired don't you i hope that by next winter you may feel that you can come and see us i want to see you not merely to write to you and get answers i send you a picture of our nest at dorset good-bye to miss e a warner new york april twentieth eighteen sixty nine i opened your letter in the street and was at once confronted with a worldly-looking bit of silk how can you why don't you follow my example and dress in sackcloth and ashes i think however if you will be worldly you have done it very prettily and on the whole 
don't know if it is any wickeder than i have been in translating a dramatic poem in five acts from the german only you've got your dress done and i'm only halfway through my play and there's no knowing how bad i shall get before i am through i wonder if you were sitting by an open window as i am and roasting at that i had a drive with a and m through the park yesterday and saw stacks of hyacinth and bloom and tulips and violets and dandelions a willow tree not far from my window has put on its tender green and summer seems close at hand i've been to an auction and got cheated as i might have known i should and the other day i had my pocket picked as to gates ajar most people are enchanted with it but miss lyman regards it as i do and so do some other elect ladies i have just written to see if she will come down and get a little rest now the weather is so fine mr p has gone to dorset to be gone all the week and i am buying up what is to be bought begrudging every cent mean wretch that i am i have looked through and read parts of patient strong's outings an ugly title and a transcendental style but beautiful in conception and taken off the stilts in execution i do not like the cant of unitarians any better than they like ours but i like what is elevating in any sect i have had a present of a lot of table linen towels etc from dorset and feel a good deal like a young housekeeper i wonder how soon you go back to northampton how queer it must be to be able to float round it is a pity you could not float to new york and get a good hugging from this old woman we expect two hundred and fifty ministers here in may at general assembly i ought to have spelt it with a big g and a big a my dear child what makes you get blue i don't much believe in any blue devils save those that live in the body and send sallies into the mind perhaps i should though if i had not a husband and children to look after how little one can judge for another End of chapter 9, part 1